When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast presented by Krauss Health, the exclusive healthcare partner of Syracuse Athletics. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, our first one of 2024. So that's exciting. And uh, to kick things off with the new year, brought in my Syracuse.com colleague, uh, Donna DeTota, to uh, talk a little bit about the Orange and where they're at right now. 10-4 and four after last week's loss at Duke. Um, Donna, what do we know about this team? I mean, it seems like we're 14 games in and still trying to figure a few things out. Yeah, I mean, 10-4, uh, and four, but the four losses have all been by lots of points. So uh, that is not good. If you're looking at it from an analytical perspective, is you know, it's, the analytics are not going to love that, that they've lost games uh, by a lot of points. But they've also lost a lot, I think, every one of those games on the road, if correct me if I'm wrong, or at a neutral site. Yes, they have lost at home. Yeah, they've been very good at home. Uh, so they, they need to, they need to, they, you know, the Oregon win looks really nice now, that neutral site win. Um, but they need to, you know, they need to win a couple games on the road. So it's interesting. I, I don't. I don't know, you know, uh, they've looked very good at times and they've looked not so good at times. So here we are. We've got a lot of games to go that we're like halfway through the season. Not even. Yeah. You know, after that game at Duke and like you said, it was, it was another, not only a loss, but all these losses to Tennessee, Gonzaga, Virginia, now Duke, they're coming by like an average of 18, 19 points a game. The one at Duke was a 20 point loss. And I asked a few of the players and Adrian Autry, what do you have to do to close that gap? Now, a few of the players pushed back. They don't want to acknowledge that gap. Like, okay, but listen, the, the score is what it is. What, so I'm going to ask you, what do they have to do to close this gap between themselves and the elite teams that, they, that they've played? Because they're going to play a lot more elite teams. So they, you know, they got two against Carolina, two against Clemson, a home game against Miami, uh, not too far down the road here. So what do they got to do? Well, one of the things is they can't turn it over. I mean, the turnovers killed them in the second half of that Duke game. I think that's one of the things. You know, I think they need to find that some they need to find some consistent shooters. Um, because when you get down in a game by eight or ten, something like that, you you need some guys who can make some threes. I mean, um, it, it, it would be helpful anyway. They really haven't had anybody who's been banging it down from th- the three point line, and I think that would help too if they could get a score from the three point line. Um, you know, I think they could be a little. Uh, I, I don't know how you how you, how you say this nicely, but they could be a little more focused on the game and a little less focused on the officiating as the game starts going uh, the way of the other team at, at this point. Um, you know, uh, 
a lot of that is, I think you just need to be a little bit more mature in those situations. And a lot of it, I think is you get a little frustrated, you know, you get down, you think you got fouled and uh, you know, you want to, uh, you know, petition the referee to say like, Hey, I just got fouled. But in the meantime, the other guy's going down the other side of the court and they're scoring. So I think that's part of it too. I think there's a bunch of things that could happen that, that need, that need to get a little bit better for them. You know, you mentioned the three point shooting and the two guys I think that we all thought coming into the season were going to be their top three point shooters, both in terms of volume and probably percentage too. Justin Taylor and Chris Bell, they've both been struggling lately. Now, I think they're two very different types of players, two very different types of shooters. So maybe we got to take them separate from each other. But let's let's talk about Chris and Justin and what can be done to get those guys on track from three-point range. And, and if you can get those guys going, I, I think you eliminate, you know, you solve a big problem here. Yeah, I mean, I think they could probably screen for them a little bit better. They're not getting a lot of easy, clean looks from the three-point line. Most of their threes are contested you know guys you know everybody gets paid in this business right I mean coaches get paid and they get paid to take to say here are their two shooters uh guys on my team like when they catch the ball you know get up on them and so I think if they could get freed a little bit better if they could free them a little bit better for shots that are a little easier a little cleaner you know if they could get something in transition that's helpful too um you know, uh, I both of those guys take a little bit of a longer time to load it and shoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need a little time and space. Um, I think that's one thing that Buddy Baham did in his career. Like he got better. He got he his release got a lot quicker. And I'm not sure if those guys are working on that, but that's something I think that would help them too is just releasing the ball a little bit quicker because they are going to face a ton of pressure from defenses. Like you said, those are the two known shooters. Those are the two guys Syracuse puts in the corners and and tries to space the floor with. And so you know those are two guys defenses are are really concentrating on. You know, you make a good point there about Buddy Bayheim um, developing a quicker release. You know, Joe Girard, I think, came to Syracuse with a really quick release. He I was guarded he to, so much. Yeah. Well, he had to develop it in high school because yeah. he was guarded by like five guys in high school right. and was still going to shoot. Uh, Buddy, you know, he had to develop it and he did. He did. Uh, I've been a little surprised that Justin Taylor hasn't been able to find a little bit more time considering usually he's being guarded by the other team's power forward. You know, he's playing out of position. He's having to guard fours, but they're guarding him. Maybe it's just because they're tall. Yeah. You know, they're, they're maybe they're you, bigger, stronger guys. Room. You know, they're six, eight, six, nine. He's six, six. Um, I think Chris Bell's issues are different than Justin's. I think Justin, they got to get him a little bit bigger of a window. Uh, I agree with you on that. But Chris, I think, I think he's in his head. You know, and you mentioned well, that part of it. You know, he, he gets upset uh, with something in the game. He misses one. He's so streaky. Um, I, I think they just need to get him to see the ball go in the basket once or twice. And I think he'd be okay. Now, in a way, this big, long week they have between Duke and BC, maybe it gives him a chance to get in the gym and and makes, make some shots in practicing and, and, and kind of get his head straight. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what this week is probably going to be for, right? You're going to have, he's going to take a lot. He's going to get a lot of reps from the three point line. Justin's going to get a lot of reps. Everybody's going to get a lot of reps from the three point line. Cause you know, the thing about it too, is only having three, two guys is not helpful. You mm-hmm. need to have more guys who can shoot it and more guys who can make them. So I'm assuming that they're taking a lot of threes and trying to make a lot of threes during this week between, between games. You know, let's, let's accentuate the positive for a minute here. The bench especially the top three guys off the bench, Quadir Copeland, Malik Brown, and Benny Williams 
have really been playing well lately. Uh, you know, even against Duke, you know, Malik Brown had a career-high 26. Coyier had his good and bad points in that game. We know about the turnovers, but, you know, he was still providing energy. I never felt like Coyier was, you know, not helping out there. Benny didn't have as good a game as he had had previously against Pittsburgh. But the big question is, with the, some of the starters struggling and the bench guys playing well, if you're Adrian Autry, are you using this week leading up to the Boston College game to tinker with your starting lineup at all? Or do you keep things the way they are? You know, uh, Malik Brown's playing something like 32 minutes a game, 32, 33 minutes a game. He's playing a lot more than Naheem is. I would venture that the last few games, Quadier's playing more than uh, than Chris. Um, I, I I don't I, I I don't know I don't I don't I don't see like tinkering with a starting lineup as being the problem now because it's not like they're it's they're it's ten to nothing in the first ten minutes of the game and they're you know they're getting up to these terrible starts right um, and both of those all those guys are playing a lot I don't know that that's the answer because I, I also believe like okay say say you start Malik then what does Naheem give you off the bench what what is he going to give you that 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 Malik didn't get give you off the bench maybe he'll block a couple of shots. What else did he give you besides that? You know, um, maybe they throw him a couple of lobs, but what, what else does he give you? Especially given the way college basketball is, is formulated these days, there's not a lot of pure post players. Um, okay. So I don't know. I, I kind of like those guys coming off the bench. It reminds me of, now granted, this is a much better team when, when Dion came off the bench for Syracuse all those years ago. And people were saying, why doesn't he start? Why doesn't he start? Well, he's been pretty good off the bench. Like these guys have been good off the bench. Another thing to consider too is, you know, there are some guys who might be affected if they have to come off the bench. They might play differently if they have to come off the bench. I think I, I don't think anybody's going to argue that Malik Brown is upset that he's not starting. You know, like no, he's coming in, he's, he's playing hard, he's playing well. He's not he's not going to be a guy who's complaining because he's not starting. Not that I'm saying any of those other guys who are starting would, would come out of the starting lineup would be complaining that they weren't starting. But it seems like it's working pretty well. And sometimes you have to, as a coach, sort of um, massage egos a little bit and you have to figure out you have to understand the player that you have and understand what would happen if you took this player out of the starting lineup, or if you put a different guy who was coming off the bench into the starting lineup, like what does that mean from a whole bunch of different perspectives? Yeah. I, I like having energy off the bench. I agree with you, especially with the Naheem Malik dynamic. You know, another part of that dynamic too is, you know, early in the game, you're aware of this. You, 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 you were a power forward, I think in college, the referees in the beginning minutes, they set the tone, Right. And it's so easy for a big to get a cheap foul in those first four or five minutes of the game when you're setting the tone. And it could be on any, you know, pushing in the block or an illegal screen. And I'm like, you know what? Let Naheem take that foul. Let him go out there against the Armando Baycots of the world. And maybe if you lob it in the Naheem, you actually draw a foul on the other team's big. Yay, that's a great thing. I don't want Malik Brown to pick up that cheapy first four minutes set the tone foul because he is already leading the team, I think, it, it, he was earlier in the week, in fouls committed per 40 minutes. Well, and I would say part of that is because guards are getting beaten off the dribble and he's going to have to, he has to help. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't think and he's also he's a pretty risk reward kind of defender, too. He tries to poke away the ball, balls a lot. He tries to steal balls a lot. And he's also, you know, he's a little undersized at that position. Uh, he has to do a lot, especially if he's going to do if he's going to like, like when he play when they play P, when they play Clemson, you know, he's going to have to guard T, uh, PJ Hall on the perimeter. Um, you know, Baycott is interesting because I think Baycott is a situation where Naheem would be effective for, you know, he's a pretty 
he's a low post guy for the most part. I mean, you yes. watch North Carolina more than I do, but he's not going to go out and shoot a three. Um, and so Naheem, that's, that's a game. You know, I think these are sort of game by game situations. I think that's a game when Naheem could be effective in that game. Yeah, we'll have to see. You know, some of the other guys, I've talked to a couple of the bench guys. They seem to be relishing the role. You know, when, when yeah. they're getting attention as a group, the subs and all this stuff. And sometimes I don't want to mess with a kid's head by moving him into the starting lineup. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's going well. It's going well, those those guys coming off the bench. And like I said, it's not like they're getting into a 10 nothing hole or something in these games. You know, so I, I don't I don't see it. I, I don't I, I don't you know, they and they have been they're ten and four. Let's face it, the games that they have lost have been against teams that during that game or on those days and maybe, you know. 70 out of 100 times are better than Syracuse at this point, right? I mean, Thanks. Gonzaga's having a little bit of a free fall right now. They haven't really beaten a good team, but, and, you know, Virginia lost at Notre Dame, but, you know, these kinds of things happen. But I think if you were to, you know, you know, these teams that they've lost to at, at this point are are arguably better, you know? Um, and, and so do you really want to tinker with a lineup where, um, you know, you've, you've beaten teams that are teams that you should beat and, you've lost a couple teams that maybe are just a little bit better than you right now. You know, it seems like, and I, I didn't think I would say this about this team that coming into the season, because I thought with the man-to-man -man defense, we were going to be talking a lot about defense and it was going to be the key to a lot of games. And really it seems like it's offense. That's the key for this team and the losses. They can't score. And granted these, we are talking about teams that play great defense, like Virginia, yeah. Tennessee, even Duke. Um, a good defense team, yeah. Yeah, you know, and they can't score. I, I think the, the four losses, they haven't scored more than 66 points. Meanwhile, in the 10 wins, they're scoring 79 or more every night out. And is it just the level of competition or, or is something else going on here where, you know, like what are teams doing to keep Syracuse from scoring? Because it seems to be pretty obvious at this point, Syracuse needs to score to win. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse gets a lot of points though in transition. I mean, when they've won games, um, they've they've scored a lot of transition points. And Duke's team that does not turn it over. They don't turn it over. I don't have a great neither memory does Virginia. of the either does Virginia, right? Uh, I don't have a, a great rem memory of uh, Gonzaga or of Tennessee of, of those two games. But um, you know, they get a lot of Syracuse gets a lot of points in transition, and Duke was not going to let them get transition points. And good teams won't. I mean, good teams are going to they're going to say we don't we don't want to get we don't need a defense we don't need an offensive rebound at this point. We're going to go back and and try to guard you and don't let you get um, back in transition. And also, you know, Duke didn't turn it over. Um, and we, you know, we've talked, I wrote about it. We talked about the live ball turnovers. That's what was where they crushed Syracuse in that game. Um, so, you know, I, I think Syracuse does score a lot of points from their defense. I think their defense has actually been pretty good. I mean, I they, it was not very good at all in the second half of the Duke game, but like I said, a lot of that was turnovers and a lot of that was transition defense. And, you know, it, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's just depending upon where guys end up on the court during an offensive possession. It's sometimes hard to get guys to rotate back. It's just, it's a whole big thing that could happen, but um, you know, I, I, their offense has been in those games, I think not as good because they're not getting a ton of transition points and they're, they haven't shot it well in those games. I think you're exactly right. When they can't turn people over, get the live ball turnovers and, and that augments an offense that sometimes can, can stagnate, in the, stagnate in the half. Yeah. yeah. Stagnate in the half court. Yeah. Um, how many times have we said that? Uh, we'll see where they go. Now the interesting stretch coming up here, you know, you got, You've had this week off. They're in the middle of this of a week because they had the basically a bye over the weekend. Right. Got to get ready for a, a I think 
a deceptively tough Boston College. I do too. Uh, and then they go on the road for two more, Carolina and Pitt back-to-back. -back. I think this is a, a, a critical stretch for this team. They got to – first of all, you have to make sure you protect your home floor, right? Yeah. And yes. That, I mean, I think Boston College, um, people have re remember them at the Boston College of old where teams were beating them by 20, but that's not the case this year. They have a very, very good post player. I would argue, aside from P.J. Hall, maybe the second best post player, although, you know, I know you're going to bring up Baycott, but I mean, in terms of the, the versatility, the way that these guys can play, um, uh, you know, he's very good. And it'll be interesting to see how Syracuse tries to guard him. And their guards are pretty good. They're, they've got a bunch of smallish types of like guards and forwards who like and wings who and they can get out a little bit and they can shoot it a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that they're pretty good. I thought I thought they were pretty good last year and I think they're better this year. Um, you know, going down to North Carolina is going to be tough. Uh, Baycott's going to be going to be a, an interesting problem I, I don't know how they're going to guard him but the, but aside from him is you know rj davis is playing great they just are having a very good year this year and they're playing at home and they're very good at home um that's going to be a tough game and pittsburgh also is very good at home um and pittsburgh is is, is moving into desperation territory at this point they're zero and three in a conference they've had three they played three good teams and have lost three games and so they're going to be i think at some point they need to win games and they're tough at home that's a tough place to play um, so yeah, I think, I think Syracuse has to win a couple of these games. Yeah. That Pittsburgh team also is going to be a little motivated because they've lost up yeah. here at Syracuse. That's right. You mentioned, and, and they obviously they've, I think they've, by the time this podcast gets, um, published, uh, they'll have played another game over the weekend, but at 0 and three right now in the league, but home losses to Clemson and Carolina and a road yeah. loss at Syracuse. It's tough. They're not, they might be 0 and three, but I still think this, that's a pit team that can, come on and 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 i think they're good better than the yeah best. i mean and their best player has not played great the last couple of games mm -hmm. i mean he wasn't that he wasn't that good against syracuse and he i think he struggled in, the, in their last game too we're talking about blank henson and i you know he's very good i think and he just hasn't quite you know he's in a he's in a little bit of a funk for them but he's a and very good player talking about boston college you mentioned quentin post who by the way has the perfect surname for a post player right <laughs> um, he doesn't really play in the post but he kind of does well a little eh, seven he's seven footer He's seven-footer, right. Seven-footer from the Netherlands. Yep. Mm. Do we know anybody like that? <laughs> we do. Those two guys actually were very good friends. Yeah, they played on the national team together, I think. Yeah. Uh, but another guy that's really helped BC this year, that may, some Syracuse fans may not be aware of yet, they will be next Wednesday night, Claude L. Harris. Um, transfer from Charleston Southern, 6'3", guards averaging like 14.5 points per game. He's had no trouble transitioning uh, to power five level. I, that kid's good. They're pairing him with that uh, Zachary kid. Yeah, I think he's pretty tough. I think Zachary's pretty tough. They are. Uh, that'll be the, the, the backcourt matchup between JJ and Judah against those other two kids will be pivotal, I think. Yes. Pivotal. Pivotal in the post. Pivot, yes. Pivot in the post. Right. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, as they look ahead here, is you know Syracuse has had this long quad one win drought. Yeah, it's really it's gone on going on two years now. Yeah, um, no shame in it. Like in on the surface, you know, it's like okay, you're losing to good teams. We get it. But this team that still has, I think, a chance at an NCAA tournament bid if they can get one or two quad one wins. Where do they get them? Oh God. Uh, you know, I mean, they've been yeah. so good at home. So you would assume the teams that they play at home, you know, the quad one chances that they have at home, which would be at this point, 
North Carolina, mm. right? They play them at home. I don't, I got, I don't, I haven't memorized this. Guy. Who else do they play at home? They play Miami at home. I don't know where Miami will be at that point. I think Miami right now would be considered quad two, but you never know where the Hurricanes could end up. Clemson right now is solidly quad one. Uh, right for a home. I game. was a little bit stunned by that Clemson uh, Miami score. I mean, I watched most of that game, the um, and and I was a little bit stunned because uh, I also watched some of like VCU St. Bonaventure in that game too. I had like the dual stream thing going. Uh, I was a little stunned how they just ran away with it in the second half of that game. Miami did, um, and I didn't have uh, Wooga Pop Poplar, so he's hurt. So um, you know, I again, that was a little bit of a stunning result for me because Clemson's usually pretty good on defense and they scored like 90 on them. I mean, they're a very good offensive team. Very good on offense. And um, much better at home on offense. But they got, you're right, they, they scored 60 second half yes, points. In the second half. 60, in the second half. Yeah. Which was incredible. You know, they finished with like whatever, 95 or something. Uh, that was that was a surprise to me. It wasn't a surprise that Miami beat Clemson, especially since it was in Miami. But right, the way in that fashion. Yeah, the way they did it was a little was was just to me a little bit stunning. Yeah, and without Wooga, without Wooga, and I think and I think Clemson's good. You yeah, know? you you you've been on Clemson for a long time. The guards uh, are good. I love PJ Hall. You know, they got a couple of glue glue guys too, glueish guys that I that I like too. Shifflin. Yep. You know, Ian Shifflin, and then uh, the other kid, the tall kid that can shoot, is his last name uh, Wiggins. I think is. Yep. Uh, He's number twelve. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm looking at there. I know you're talking about. See it in my mind's eye. Uh, you know, so in this league right now, you got Duke, Carolina, Miami, Clemson. Probably we're going. We're keeping Virginia there, despite that yes. loss at Notre Dame. So you got you know five teams uh, there. Somebody in this league's going to get up to like number six in the conference. What about Wake? I mean, Wake's also been very good. Yeah, I was going to say, who do you think can be that that team? I think Wake's the next team. You know, I think that's another team that's very good. I think they're very good. Syracuse is going to get mentioned there, you know, at least because they beat Pitt. They have a, I know it was at home and there'll be a rematch soon. Um, who else? Would you like Virginia Tech? I, you know, oddly, I have not seen them play at all this year. I've not seen one Virginia Tech game. I usually like, for some reason, I've seen a million Clemson games uh, and I obviously I've seen all the Syracuse games. I've seen some Virginia games. I, I don't think I have seen Virginia Tech at all this year. I mean, I know they have the two guards, but I don't I don't know who else they have really. The kid, the big kid that's really helping them out this year, because you know, the transfer they had last year that was big, Grant Basilli. Yeah. Uh, he's gone, but Lynn Kidd, uh, big strong kid, uh plays down low. He's having a breakout season. He, he's having a so He's the guy that that's really stepped up to help with Hunter Couture, and and uh, the yeah, Paul, yeah. Sean yeah. Padilla. Padilla. Yeah. Um, so and I always think a Mike Young team is always such a well coached team. They they yeah. know how they want to play. They're di pretty. Dis they're a pretty disciplined team. Yeah, and he always says he doesn't. He always has a bunch of like guards and then a, a big guy. You know, and a big guy. The big guys usually can do a bunch of things. So and they're they're, really always, they're always interesting. That team, you know. And it's a tough place to go play. It is. Uh, I don't think Syracuse has to go there this year, so they luck out. They don't have to go into the castle. Um, so we'll see where they go. Um, what's the biggest thing Syracuse has to do in this week off leading up to Boston College as we wrap up this edition of the Sir Inside Syracuse oh. Basketball Podcast? One thing, if you were to coach, what are you harping on this week? Shoot, 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 shoot. Keep shooting. Shoot a ton of shots. Shoot a ton of threes. Shoot, shoot, shoot. 
That's what I would harp on. They need to get better at that. That sounds good to me. I think I'll go uh, right along with you there. Um, that and I think I might have had a couple of talks to the team about you let me talk to the referees, you know, as the coach. Let me let me talk to the referee, not you guys. Um, and, and things will work out much better for you there. You know, the guys who get to talk to the referees are the fourth year seniors or fifth year grad students. The referees recognize them more and maybe can can. Referees don't like to be talked to by freshmen and sophomores. Well, they also don't. It's, there's a certain way you can talk to them, too. And, um, you know, yes. maybe that to improve as well. Sidle over to them while someone's taking sure. a free throw and no one's looking at you. Yes. Again, these are hard things to do. I mean, it's in the in the in the heat of the moment, it's it's very hard not to get frustrated, especially if you think you got fouled. But the problem is that, that you can't you, if you stand there and complain about it, number one, the call is not going to get changed. And number two, you're probably not going to get another call, you know. Uh, and meanwhile, the other team is running down to the other court, uh, the other side of the court and scoring. So um, I get the frustration of it. I really do. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, to let people in on this a little bit, you and I come at this with a, a little bit of perspective here. Uh, you played college basketball, so you know whereof you speak at times. Like, you know how you feel when you've been fouled and you yeah. haven't gotten a whistle. My dad- I may have complained one or a time or two in my, my career. <laughs> my dad blew a whistle. My dad refereed high school basketball way back in the day. My dad was the dad who would show up at my high school games and if I complained or about something, I would hear it from him. You know, like instead of my dad yelling at the referee, my dad would yell at me. So you learn, right? You do, yeah, <laughs> you learn. <laughs> anyway, Donna, listen, this is fun. Uh, we'll we'll talk again real soon and uh, look for all of Donna's stuff coming out this week on, on Syracuse.com as we get ready uh, for Syracuse's next game against Boston College on Wednesday at the JMA Wireless Dome. And we're going to be wildly rested because we have an entire weekend off. I'm so yes, excited about it. Exactly right. For Donna DeToda, I'm Mike Waters. We'll see you here again next time. Join us next time for the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast presented by Krauss Health the exclusive healthcare partner for Syracuse Athletics.